0: Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office Podcast. Excited to start this uh, series with Pro Sports Assembly, uh, the Power of Pro Sports series, uh, and excited to have our guest on and Elliot Pettit from the USTA, Director of Grassroots Tennis. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about kind of his career path into pro sports as as well as, you know, ultimately um, the power of the sport that he's in and kind of the impact and that they're having around, not only the country, but the globe, uh, and then go from there. So, Elliot, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Kareen, you're the co-host, the star of the show, too. Oh, um, my goodness. Let's, let's kick it off with, you know, ultimately, um, Elliot, how you got into Pro sports as a whole, kind of what was your your quick GPS career path wise?
1: Oh boy, I, I, you know that's that's the toughest question because if I think about it, the word um, non traditional comes to mind, uh, especially through the um, through college. I absolutely took what you'd say is the scenic route. Um, took me a little while to figure out what I'd like to do and and where I'd like to go. Um, but once I, I did decide that, I've been in the tennis industry my entire life. Um, straight out of school, I was uh, hired by the, the company who uh, brought me on for my second internship. And I was, was working in the Detroit area. And uh, so the company ran uh, programming at uh, clubs all around the metro Detroit area. And um, I was an on-court teaching professional. And through that, uh, worked, worked and had some different opportunities to, to manage some staff and manage different aspects of programming. And from there, uh, you know I, I think like, like most people had a couple other opportunities elsewhere and, and took those and moved up and moved around and, and got a chance to um, really see almost every aspect of the delivery side of the tennis industry. So uh, country clubs, commercial clubs, uh, public parks, in the school system, I mean, it, that was really um, my goal. Once I once I got into the industry, was to to have as, as solid of an understanding of of all the different of all the different pieces as, as I could. And then, um, in what was it, twenty thirteen, uh, I got the opportunity to go and work for the USTA at their uh, at the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center in uh, in New York and and uh, run their junior programming and. Took that, and that was the the start of my my career with the USTA. And uh, what's that? Eight, almost nine years later, um, here we are. So, hopefully, that gave you a little a little bit of a taste. But it's it's been all over. My GPS would not be the most efficient route from point A to point B, but I'm I'm happy with the route that it's that it's been.
2: You might be part of the a dying breed of long term uh, tenure at an organization at nine at almost nine years.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing, and and especially right now. I mean, I'm I'm seeing coworkers, you know, and and friends just just changing changing jobs, changing careers, and yeah, I feel I feel really lucky. The the organization's been great, and um, you know, I've had a I've had a fantastic journey with them.
2: Yeah, I um I'm a golfer. I've been playing since I was seven years old, and usually when I say that, people are like, "Oh, so you like tennis too?" And I'm like. I have played tennis with the moms in my neighborhood and I'm just like whacking it as hard as I can. There's no finesse. There's no like placement. I'm just like, I am strong. Boom. Um, so,
0: Kareem, you might have to go to pickleball. We'll just, we'll just shift a little bit on the spectrum.
3: Yes, uh, yes. We've got our,
0: we've got our second uh, guest for the podcast today. Uh, Jock McClendon, who's joining us from the LA Rams. Uh, director of football affairs excited to have him on as well um, jock welcome
3: what's up guys how y'all doing today
0: the... we're yeah, great awesome. we're, talking, we're talking a little bit about elliot kind of on the tennis route and um, you know yourself kind of having played in the nfl uh, elliot described his path as non-traditional uh, i would say yours you've you've got a lot of experience playing the game. So uh, with what you're doing now, kind of how did you get to where you are and what was that transition like, you know, out of, uh, you know, well, really off the field to, or on the field to off the field? To be brutally honest, it was
3: like drinking from a fire hose trying not to drown. I think at the end of the day, um, nothing can prepare you for the rigors of working for a team. Uh, There's a lot of OJT that goes on and a lot of uh, ambiguity that you have to work through. I mean, you know, it takes time to build that rapport, right? It's no different than team chemistry. And, you know, as a player, you know, there's team chemistry as an employee, as a front office, uh, as a front office personnel. It's the same thing. So I think it really took time to me to find that rhythm. Right. And I think that um, I was blessed to come to such an opportunity to where we had people who cared, uh, people who connected and people who collaborated. And so because of that, you know, I was allowed to, uh, you know, have a lot of opportunities that allowed me to grow since I've been here. So, so forth and so on. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, uh, the opportunities aren't created equal and sometimes you hit the lottery with who gives you that opportunity. I'm thankful that I did.
2: Yeah. I, what I love about what Jake and I are doing with this power of pro sports series is we really wanted to bring our networks together. So Jacques and I, we are fellow volunteers, Tennessee all day. Um, And I have been, we've admired each other from each coast for a while now, Um, and what you have been able to do with the Bill Walsh Diversity Program at the LA Rams is something that truly speaks to your experience, your background. And I'd love to, when I'm at a party, I'm like an extroverted introvert, um, but I love to you know, connect people. And I think, you know, what you're doing with the Rams in this fellowship program is something that can be implemented in any sport at any level. And would we'll love for you to kind of share a little bit about that, um, that fellowship program.
3: So, you know, I, I'm going to have to give the league a lot of credit. Uh, Troy Vincent, a mentor of mine, um, has done an unbelievable job in that football, football ops department of the league office with building out this program. Um, they have a full team that works on this to continue to make sure we're diversifying the uh, the candidate pool within our uh, football buildings, whether it's women, minorities, and other uh, underrepresented uh, minorities that should be have opportunities in this uh, building. And you know, when you look at the Bill Walsh, you look at the Nunn-Wooten, um, it's a great opportunity for us to, to continue to build that pipeline. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, right? It's how do we inc- increase that entry level pipeline so down the road you've got more senior level candidates. And I think that um, you really have to have you really have to have a leadership uh, group that really cares about that subject. And, you know, with our ID council that we've started internally, you know, whether it's Kevin, Les, Sean, these guys know that um, this, this, this needs to happen and they champion it. And I can promise you right now, if you don't have championship at the top, you're not going to have the growth you want at the bottom. So I think with that Bill Walsh, uh, that Bill Walsh fellowship that we had, we had a great opportunity to finally get people in the building. Um, during training camp this year, uh, last year obviously COVID killed a lot of plans. But you know we're, we're we're finally back to we're integrating those guys, getting them really it's basically a tryout, right? Like these guys were with us day in day out, full access, every meeting, every coach, building rapport, showing their football IQ, acumen, their ability to connect the players, actually coaching on the field, and you know those are the those are the ops that you don't get, right? And so. What you come to what you come to learn is that a lot of people don't get opportunities because they don't have access. And so this this opportunity was there to provide access. It's all about access. And I think that, you know, sometimes the best candidates just don't get behind the door. So it's up to us to give them opportunity to run through it. And so uh, we've had great success. We had uh, two great candidates that actually were with us in person. Um, usually during the spring we have people in person as well, but the uh, the COVID protocols weren't open at the time. They opened the training camp, so you know we'll continue to diversify it, open it up, and uh, provide those unique opportunities and maybe even expand it just beyond um, just the coaching world as well.
0: Elliot, what's what's trending in terms of your sport um, from a grassroots perspective? Kind of how you guys are developing out programs and. Um, even you know compared to jock on the team side right like it's a little different in in your world um, from the individual sport but also still having a team around you if you've got the player and so on
1: yeah you know it's it's interesting that the team team versus individual sports piece with with tennis it's we, we like to say it's one of those great sports because you can actually say it's both you know you've got singles you've got doubles and I mean, the opportunity to, you also have the opportunity to play on teams. So your results count towards the the, the total score. And I mean, I can say my, my absolute best memories on court are from my high school team and college team. I mean, that's, that's really, really what it's all about. Um, you know, from the, from the grassroots side of, uh, side of things, the, um, we, we've come off an, an incredible year participation-wise uh, with COVID. We're trying to be glass half full here, right? Um, so, it, with people having more time to, to get out and, and sample things, or maybe pick up the sport that they, you know, hadn't hadn't uh, messed around with for a while, we saw a participation increase like we've never seen before in in 2020. And and so the the focus for 2021 has been. You know how can we continue to engage these people so you know we can continue to spread the spread the love of of the sport and uh, our early indications from uh, from the racket manufacturers is their their sales of secondary rackets are up higher than they've they've ever been so it it gives us a bit of confidence going wow you know the people that picked up a racket in 2020 are staying invested. Um, and we've we've had a series of, of grants going on throughout the year between our national office. We have set, uh, seventeen regional offices around the country. You know, they're really focused on uh, Jacques used the word access. That's that's what we're going for as well. We want to make the sport as accessible as possible, and and let people feel like they belong and that we as the governing body are here to support them in in their journey in whatever way we can. So if that's working with facilities, you know, making sure that they're um, that everything is is up to standard, or if it's helping providers, you know, with uh, with grants to make sure that they're able to offer programming for for low or no cost. I mean, it's it's really a, a a full court press on making sure that people feel like the sport is open and welcoming to them.
2: I have, I wonder how King Richard the movie is going to. <laughs> I know how is going to you know like again, I played golf since I was seven and it was because of the big tiger boom, right? Like everybody and yeah. their mama was about Tiger Woods. And, um, I'm wondering with, uh, Serena and Venus now coming towards the later part of their careers. I don't want to say end because I don't want somebody to come over here and hit me with a 90 mile per hour serve. Um, but you know, we're seeing Sloane Stevens, we're seeing a lot more people that usually weren't represented in sports, uh, in tennis. And now we have this movie. Do you see like any initiatives surrounding the movie to kind of help with increased
1: um, access to the sport? yeah i I think it's been it's been something that we've tried to work on the last uh the last few years really um our uh, our youth brand for the for the usta is called net generation and we've worked both with sloan stevens and with venus uh which has been phenomenal and uh to be able to to um you know see the messages that we receive about just how cool you know the the content has been i i would hope that it's all part of just a big ball of momentum, um, you know, rolling in that, this, that King Richard's able to, to just, you know, amplify that tenfold. Um, it's, I'm as excited as you are to, to see that movie. And I hope that's our own kind of tiger boom.
0: Jock, what you got? I got to add to that. So
3: I can tell you right now, the tennis boom <laughs> is incredible. Uh, I got a seven year old daughter, Madison. Um, her first sport was tennis and, uh, I just want to share with you that that, that idea that what representation matters. Uh, the best gift I've gotten her in the past two years uh, was a Naomi Osaka Barbie doll that came out. She has a Naomi Osaka a picture in her room, a Coco Golf picture in her room. And for her to be able to see what they're doing, what they're accomplishing, um, you know, she talks about it all the time. We go to tennis lessons, shoot two, sometimes three times a week. She's actually getting where she's pretty, building a really good rapport with it. She's enjoying it. She's loving it but it really comes full circle when she's able to watch a match and she sees somebody that looks like her. So love what y'all are doing at USTA, Elliot. Uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, I will be championing that as we go forward because uh, we we seem like we got a little tennis girl at the house. So appreciate what y'all do.
2: All I, uh, mean, I just want to make sure I get tickets to the open when she's playing. I don't, I don't need like, box seats or nothing i could be up at the top you know i just want to make sure
1: <laughs> hey, no. for, for a free <laughs> golf lesson we'll see what we can get going for you i love it
0: jock from a from a football perspective was there anyone that you kind of looked up to when, like at one point or another right you knew your career was coming to an end on the field at some point um you know, were did you have mentors off the field that you were trying to have help you get into the front office eventually? You know what, that's a great question. And I'll
3: say this, uh, I was seeking that mentor, could never really find it, but I did have a great opportunity to uh, study a lot of people, right? Like I studied Ozzie Newsom, I studied Art Shell. you know, I studied uh, Mike Tomlin. Um, and now to be honest with you, I watch Jason Wright's every move with the Washington football team. I think that history tells you a lot with how people got to the uh, positions that they got and how they're having success and doing very well. And I think that matters. Uh, We're not at the place to where there has been a lot of Black executives at the top of football organizations. Jason Wright was the first president. What was that? 2020. Uh, You know, Daggum near 100 years past this league has uh, was was incorporated. And so, you know, I I studied Fritz Pollard. Uh, And and to be honest with you, uh, reading the Fritz Pollard story. And how he went to Brown, and how he was with the, the first black player to play in the NFL back back in the early 1900s, uh, was the inspiration for me to go get my ENBA. So I'm working in my ENBA program at Brown right now, just because of reading that Fritz Pollard story and how it really um, it really energized me and gave me some uh, gave me some juice to be able to pursue it. But you know, you you really have to study it because honestly, uh, we're still at a point to where the uh, the sample sizes and pool is way smaller than it should be. Uh, especially when you uh, incorporate that with a roster of NFL NFL players, it's around 70% uh, African-American. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, to be short and frank and honest, it's, it's hard to find those mentors that look like you, that have to walk the path you have. So I think that, you know, that's one thing that I take every day at work is that if I can be that for somebody else, uh, we'll be better down the road.
0: Yeah, I want to jump in real quick on on the education topic because I think it's important. And I know Elliot got his MBA. Jock, you're getting your EMBA. Um, just in terms of the pro sports landscape and what it's helped you see, right? A different lens, a different perspective. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all in a business, right? And the business it has, as we're kind of talking about, the power of this business to make an impact. But um, what did and Elliot? We'll start with you. What has the degree done for you now that it's been X amount of years later?
1: That is as such a, such a great, it's a resume
0: question. thing at first, kind of, sort of, right. But then like, you know, you look down years later and you're like, what did I, what did I really get from that?
1: that that's such a, that's such a great question. Um, and I, I, I think about it often actually. And, and, um, I don't know how how uh, unique this might be to the to the tennis industry, but coming from you know being an on court coach, you know people come to you for answers, right? For for guidance, and it's it's meant to be a something that you are a, a specialist at if you're a you know certified certified coach. Um, what what the NBA gave for me, which is what I was really uh, excited about, was. Uh, it it gave me the opportunity to be a little bit slower with decision making, and I mean that in a good way, because when you're when you're in a, a you know a specialty area for yourself, you can you can kind of go on instinct and and you can trust your first instinct really well. But I think the uh, working through the MBA, aside from the the different skills that it that it taught me and the people that I met and the the professors that I had, that really that really helped me be more uh, be more thoughtful. Uh, and, and try to, you know, not feel like I had to rush decisions. And so I, I look at myself now compared to uh, before that, that degree. And I'm, I think that's, that's one of the, the things that stands out to me is that it just gave me time, um, gave me the confidence to be a bit more introspective about things and be more deliberate and to um, just really, really take, take your time with, with areas that you need to take your time with.
0: Jock, you're in, you're in it right now. So what perspectives are you gaining as you're working and going through the degree at the same time?
3: You know what? We just, we just finished a residency uh, and being on Pacific time, it went from three in the morning to 10 AM every day this past two weeks. So I'm just thankful the residency's over. But um, with that being said, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I, three things for me was the reason I got it. Vulnerability, scope, network, all in that order. I think that when you're provided these type of opportunities that I've been provided without that uh, true work experience, uh, you got to make yourself vulnerable to, to be able to learn more encompass more because you know, for me, it's been a lot of intuitive uh, work skills that I've had to gain just by uh, symbiotically being in the building and, and, and learning as I go. Now this is that time to educate myself as that number two thing scope grows bigger. I have the education to back it. So to give you some perspective there, we're talking about the globalization of business just in general. Let's call it the Amazonification of uh, our nation, of our world. And I think that, you know, when you, when you come, let's go, that's macro. Let's go micro. The NFL, the NFL is growing to international markets. Um, It's, 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 we've done London. um, We've all seen the news. It's going even bigger internationally. So when you go internationally, you know, as a player, you're like, well, why the heck are we going 10 hours away to play a game? But now in my seat, you see, if you want the pot to grow, you have to expand that population. Not only you have to expand that population, you got to make sure that you go to countries that actually recept the sport. And so, you know, I think the classes have been able to, for me to tie my brain around um, the growth and how we continue to grow that pot with the NFL. And then the network's just incredible. I mean, I'm in a small group with a top executive from Uber, an entrepreneur that sold three businesses and worth millions, somebody that's uh, operating a, a brand new um, high, high, high tower build in the middle of New York City. So you can imagine what that project is. And it's just like, it allows me to gain a network of people that are in uncomfortable seats that I'm not. And so I'm able just to get that education of what they've been through. And I'm telling you, You know, the books are great. You know, class is great. You learn a lot. I'm telling you really learn so much speaking to your peers and what they've been through, what industries they work in. And like that's access that I wouldn't have because I'm all ball all day. And so uh, going back to number one, being vulnerable enough to to know you don't know what you don't know and go seek what you want to know. So that was one of the main reasons.
0: I I love it. That's great. I mean, I think at the end of the day, right, we're talking about the power of pro sports, but it's power of people, too. I mean, just people in general. Everybody's got a story, right? We kind of started off with both of yours, and I think uh, there's always something to learn from them. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, it's how it just applies to you, and you kind of figure out, you know, what you want to take and and what you don't. So, uh, with that, Elliot Jock, get ready. We're starting rapid fire here to wrap up the episode. Um, I have to to say with Elliot playing college tennis jock playing pro football if there was another sport you could have played at a competitive level what would it have been Elliot
1: oh absolutely football nose tackle <laughs> oh
0: man gotta
3: love it no, no you, you can't can you you play, it. The are you play tennis there's no, gotta no chance
0: <laughs> gotta love it uh, Jock are you playing tennis What's you guys switch switching roles here or what?
3: You know what? I had hoop dreams. I just <laughs> continue to grow wider than taller, so I had to pick up the oblong football. Uh, thank God I made that decision early, but I had hoop dreams. Love basketball. Big hooper.
2: All right, skydive or scuba dive?
3: Done I gotta go. I gotta go scuba.
0: Yes. I go scuba. Scuba. Yeah, I mean, I've been in a plane. I've seen everything. Has anyone jumped out of a plane here? I... Yeah. Wow. Don't, don't need do to do it, do it, it again. <laughs> yeah. See, and well, he, to he just a just said, Elliot just answered
3: it for me." He said, "You don't have to do it again." No, him, yeah, yeah, do yeah. exactly.
0: I'm right there with you. Well, Jock and I will just, we'll, we'll live through your experience. Absolutely. Um, all right, Jack. Uh, West Coast or East Coast? Oh, ho 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 which <laughs> one's the best coast uh, we got elliot I'm, in florida here and you're in la so you know, come what, you know what i'm gonna plead the fifth on this one.
2: Oh, are we accepting are we accepting the these answers
0: i don't know he, he might just say like midwest or something you know
2: <laughs> what about you elliot
0: you know
1: i got it i've, I've spent my, my life has been uh, as an, as an adult in New York and Florida. So I, I got to choose the East.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to keep pleading the fifth. I, both, both coasts will be mad. So I'm just going to, I'm going to play politician here and stay neutral.
2: <laughs> well, this was, this is, this has been a fantastic conversation. You all are, um, really set the tone for our power of, pro sports series I'm so happy to introduce the two of you to each other and I hope the goal is like and Jacques knows I'm very serious about this that you all stay connected it sounds like there might be some future tennis lessons in the in the works for Madison um and uh this is great and continue to do the work that you all are doing trending in pro sports and we appreciate your time and energy today I got one more when we wrap Uh
0: up. Here we go. Here we go. One more. If you could, in one word, describe the power of pro sports, what would it be? For for me, it's,
1: I think, inspiration.
3: Ooh. I think I might have to second that. And -hmm. I'll expound on that, right? I mean, look, at the end of the day, sports inspire people people watch sports which creates jobs for all of us to be able to do what we want to do so you know that's one thing that i love about working for the rams is that we understand that we're just stewards of our community and if we don't do that the right way and uh take care of the most key constituents which are our fans our our uh our area of la southern cal um we won't be successful so uh, man elliot you took the words out of my mouth
1: that was it i'm, I'm thinking of 10 year old me just jacking up three pointers in my driveway thinking about playing for the bulls. That's it. I was, in, that was what kept me out there until after dark, the inspiration of that. And you're, you're spot on, Jacques. Incredible.
0: Awesome. Well, both of you, thank you for joining Corrine. Great co-hosts of course, and uh, really appreciate you spending the time on our power pro sports uh, series here with Pro Sports Assembly on the Life in the Front Office podcast. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thank y'all. you.